Lucky Lefty Podcast. Hopefully, everybody had a fantastic weekend. Hopefully, my guy can get in in a few moments. We are sponsored and brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Like I said, I hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. I'll tell you this. This is a full petty train today. It will be a full petty train. Full petty train today. <laughs> I can't wait to get to the petty train. So many people bought tickets to get on the petty train. As always, we'll get to your, um, your comments. We want to talk about the task facing offensive and defensive coordinators in Notre Dame. And it's very interesting. Um, let's start with Tommy Reese, right? Tommy Reese, of course, he has been the subject of plenty of conversation amongst Notre Dame fans, let's say, for the past four or five days. Going into spring ball, uh, not his fault, but Tommy Reese and his ability to be able to succeed as offensive coordinator is, is dependent on so many things. And I think that's what makes his job or his task a little bit, a lot more difficult. I don't want to say a little diff more difficult, but a lot more difficult than Al Golden per se. Number one, going into spring ball where you want to develop, you want to develop players. Uh, you want to get better as an offense. He only has five healthy wide receivers. That's it. And, I mean, more than likely during spring camp training, someone's going to have a hamstring or something. So, you know, now you're using walk-ons or preferred walk-ons and live reps while you're trying to develop Drew Pine and Tyler Butler. And they're trying to get timing with those wide receivers. So that's a difficult task within itself. I know we believe in Harry Heastan. We have a lot of trust in Harry Heastan. But if that offensive line isn't right, it doesn't matter what play Tommy dials up from that sheet. It's not going to work. Now, Harry Heastan with the talent. He has plenty of talent, especially at the tackle situation. Be very interested in the five that he comes out of spring with going into the fall. That's the starting lineup. Jared Patterson more than, more than likely will be a center. Christophic at left guard. Josh Lug at right guard. And you have all Blake Fisher at the tackles. That's pretty much Billy Shrouth, early enrollee, highly competitive, very athletic guy. He's going to get into the mix, in my opinion. He might be one of those guys that, you know, battles it out with Christophic, and by the time it reaches game three or four, he might take the job. Or, like most great players under Harry Heastan, that red shirt year or that sit, get stronger, and develop year is very important. The greatest of the greats that he's developed have all sat red shirted or either got in late in their freshman year due to injury or other unforeseen incidents. So the task that Tom Reese has is very difficult. It's very difficult. He's already stepping out of the shadow of Brian Kelly. He has that hanging over his head. 
now, you know, this entire thing with did he or did he not interview with Miami? Did he or did he not go down to Miami? We know he took a call. Whatever the case is, he's here. He's the offensive coordinator in Notre Dame. And even before that news came out, we said that it was going to be important for him to show his wares. Now, we have given him credit. He has shown himself to be very valuable when it comes to the 2023 offensive recruits. We know those commitments are coming in slow. A lot of people are trying to catch up to Lucky Lefty Podcast and what my co-host Malik Zaire has been saying for months. And that is Notre Dame is in great position with Dante Moore. Dante Moore was in the league, you know, based upon the four or five teams that are in his top five. Uh, we placed the percentage of Notre Dame probably about 35 to 40% being able to land him. And Michigan State was second. We said that. If you saw his interview on Rivals, you read the actual corresponding story that went with the interview. He was very open about the two coaching staffs or the two head coaches he's closest to are Mel Tucker, Marcus Freeman. Hey, we've been telling you that on Lucky Lefty Podcast for months now. For months now. And I can tell you that that information, because we view ourselves as an asset to the program, especially Malik, he definitely views himself as an asset. And that information was passed along inside the building. So, look, Dante Moore is a very, very important recruit when it comes to Notre Dame and their success and getting to a national championship and ultimately solving the problem that has been the development and the success of quarterbacks in that quarterback room. Hopefully Tommy Reese can change that narrative. Hopefully he can change that narrative. The tight end room is basically the blanket, the safety blanket for this offense and for Tommy Reese, right? First round pick, top 10 pick more than likely. When you have that coming back and Michael Mayer, that's almost like having Grunk every year for Tom Brady. Whomever wins the quarterback battle will have a safety blanket and Michael Mayer. Now the development of wide receivers, you know, I did a show with Brian Driscoll on Saturday and we talked about who has the most difficult task as a coordinator, I mean, as a coach, assistant coach. And we both agreed by a large margin. It was Chancey Stuckey, the new wide receiver coach. It's a difficult task, man. Difficult task. Why? Previous coach really didn't do anything. He just, he just really didn't. He really didn't do anything. Bad habits that have to be broken. Then you have to build these guys back up. These guys never were instilled with confidence never given the fundamentals to deal with pressure, to deal with bump and run, to deal with man-to-man. And the way practices will run, well, basically, this is our play. That's the look. If we get this look, this is what we're going to do. And if you get another look, we're going to check to this play. That culture has totally changed. One of the things that Chancey Stuckey told me is that it's going to be super, super competitive in that room. He likes the wide receiver room and what he visions for that wide receiver room. He likes it to be in a basketball team. I wrote an article about that. It's up on Irish Breakdown right now. Go to irishbreakdown.com and you can read that. 
He was very, very integral in how he sees everybody in that wide receiver room right now and the role they can play. You see guys like Deion Cozy, Jaden Thomas being able to take a step forward, not just because they have the talent, they've always had the talent, but now they have people that actually believe in them. I don't believe why the wide receivers had anyone that believed in them. I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. I don't report a lot of things, but I know for a fact that there was no confidence being instilled or given to these young men in that wide receiver room. They were literally out there playing for themselves, playing for each other, and they gave it all they had. But the support and information to make them better didn't exist when it came to that wide receiver coach. It didn't exist. So now we get an opportunity to really see what these young men are all about when they're given support, confidence, and coaching. Now we get to see what it looks like to have that at a wide receiver room at Notre Dame. And also, Chancey Stuckey immediately gets an opportunity to show how you can recruit at an elite level in that wide receiver room as well. So the task that Tommy Reese has is so difficult because it's so dependent on the coaching staff and how they can change what has existed under the previous regime. It's very important that Chancey Stuckey, excuse me, and also Harry Heastan are effective early on during the spring in changing the culture, instilling confidence, and then going into the fall camp with momentum that will give this offense ultimately the best shot of averaging 38 to 40 points. That's where you want to get to. Notre Dame has always been able to average 30 to 35 points offensively. But in order to really be a national championship offense, you need to get up to about 38 to 40 points minimum to really effectively be able to make it happen once you get into the college football playoffs. Because it's really not about Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a college, it's a top program. They've shown that over the last five years. They have the talent to be a top program. They have the coaching. They have the coaching, in my opinion to be a national championship program. Now, you include the level of recruiting that is taking place in 2022 class, what we've seen defensively from a commit standpoint in the 2023 class and the two offensive players they have right now. You get a guy like Dante Moore, you get the ball rolling, the domino star falling, you get a Rodney, Ga uh, Rodney Gallagher, you get a Cardinal Tate, you start bringing in other talented receivers. Now you have the making in my opinion, of the greatest class in Notre Dame history, period. And that might be a little, a tad bit hyperbolic, but this class, the 2023 class, truly does have the opportunity to be the greatest class ever recruited and ever to show up at Notre Dame. All right, let's go to Al Golden. Al Golden walks in and um, Marcus Freeman last Wednesday when he met with the media. I love, I love seeing the mutual respect between Freeman and Al Golden. That was the greatest thing that I love to see from both of them. And I just want to share with you guys something that Marcus Freeman said, you know, when he was asked, why was Al Golden the right guy? This is what Marcus Freeman told the media when he met with them last Wednesday. I didn't know Al Golden personally, but 
I, I knew who Al Golden was, right? I knew Al Golden as the head coach um, at Temple and at Miami um, and had an unbelievable reputation. And so it was a unique opportunity for me to kind of interview a person over time. And so we were able to do Zoom interviews while they were um, – you know, kind of going through their season just to stay in contact, just to talk. But I wanted to respect his process of preparing each week um, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And so um, I was looking for a guy with head coaching experience. I was That was, to me, something that we did not have on our staff that I thought was going to be extremely valuable. And um, he has that, but also a guy that has intelligence. The more we met, the more we talked, I learned right around, right away this, this person understands football. He understands scheme and in you know, I was also looking for a person that didn't want to come in here and just drop his playbook, right, and say, hey, this is what we're doing. No, Al Golden was a guy that said, hey, let me evaluate what you all are doing. Let me evaluate your players, and let's put together the best scheme, right? And, and ultimately, he is the defense coordinator, and I want to make sure everybody understands. Al Golden's defense coordinator. Marcus Freeman is not the defense coordinator, and he has to take this thing over. But the ability to come in and to adapt to what our players know, I think, is a huge benefit for our players. My job is to always take care of our players. Right, and so this will be their third defensive coordinator in three years, and so if you talk about three defensive schemes in three years, that's that's difficult, that's tough, but the ability for somebody to come in and say, okay, let me learn what they know, and then let's enhance it from there, that to me was what I was looking for. So let's talk about the enhancements that can take place under Al Golden, and we can start with the defensive line. We expect that Notre Dame has two potential first round picks on a defensive front. And it's easy to say, okay, get better in the run game. And I talked about this with Brian Driscoll just a little bit. Jason Adamiola um, actually bumped into him last Wednesday, walking to the media room. Looks in great shape, cut up, like, man, you're ready to go. Gave me the head nod. He has all the potential, and he puts himself in position to constantly be in the backfield, get tackled for loss, be disruptive. But we need it more consistently, right? We need it more consistently. And it's really not about numbers. Of course, you know, you want the numbers to go up because you want him to finish certain plays. But when you're in that position, sometimes Jason can play a little bit selfishly because you really want those two tackles to work in concert with that middle linebacker depending upon the scheme and depending upon the play that's called. And so, you know, if the play doesn't call for you to hit this certain gap, just because you're quick enough to beat the guard, beat the center and get to the backfield. But yet still, if you don't make the play, now you've left your middle linebacker wide open because that guard has gotten to the second level. I don't have care how good you are individually. That's a selfish play. That's a selfish play. So he just has to trust. He's good enough, despite what call has been made, he's good enough to impact the play. He's good enough to impact the play. And with the transition, the next thing we're going to talk about, which will probably be the task of all tags for Al Golden, because calling plays, he's experienced in that. Calling plays, game planning, all of that with his NFL background, head coaching background, that's going to be the easiest thing for Al Golden. Week by week, game planning, calling plays during the game. I have no problem with that. That's going to be the easy part. But getting guys like Jason Adamiola, Isaiah Foskey to that next level, once again, 
That's dependent upon Al Washington as the new D-line coach to pull that out of both of those guys. You get guys like Riley Mills. Can Riley Mills take the next step? Can he become an 8 to 10 sack guy? If Riley Mills can become that 8 to 10 sack guy, that's incredible. And he should become that because of the attention that Isaiah Foskey is going to come into the season with. Early on, Riley Mills should have a field day until teams react to his film and see, okay, we have the game plan for this guy as well. We have to chip. We have to do something with him. Early on, the first five games, Riley Mills should come out with his hair on fire, making an impact, especially in the pass rush, in the passing game, defensively. He should make an impact in the first five games. Isaiah Foskey, you just need more consistency. I don't want to see Isaiah Foskey dropping into coverage as much as he was. 75% of the time, I need him going after that quarterback. And I need him to be better in the running game, setting the edge. I need him to be a little bit more physical. We know when he goes to the next level, he's going to be outside linebacker, more than likely. 3-4, Pittsburgh Steelers, Cleveland Browns, when they go to their multiple packages. That's the type of team, you know, San Diego Chargers, they love three, four guys, and they love Notre Dame guys. I can see him going to those situations and being effective. But in Notre Dame, look, you have two first-round guys in that, in that front four that have the potential to dominate. And you need them to dominate for this defense to take the next step. In both areas, passing game, running game, you need them to dominate. Now, you know, when you start talking about players that need to take the next step, Howard Cross, can he stay healthy? Can he take the next step? You got Aiden Gabara, Tyson Ford coming in, the youngsters. Then you, we got our guy. Oh, man, I'm drawing a blank right now. Our guy Gabriel Rubio out of the St. Louis area. Waiting for him to jump on the scene. They held him back, developmental year. Let's see if he can take that next step, make an impact. This is what we're talking about. All of these guys, Al Washington, they, these guys are in your hands. And these are the things that we need to see. Everybody needs to take a step. Nana, uh, even Nana. Like Nana might be a power guy. We might have thought he had more speed coming off the edge. Okay. You're not that guy, but guess what? We need you to be that power guy on the left side, opposite Posky, especially in your early downs. Stuffing that run, setting the edge. Take that next step. Now let's talk about the biggest task, the most difficult task. The linebacker situation with Al Golden. Well, this is his specialty. This is what he's been coaching up in Cincinnati. And if you saw the way the Cincinnati Bengals and their linebackers played during these playoffs, you're excited. You're excited because they weren't big names, but they were well coached. You didn't have big name linebackers, well coached, aggressive, downhill, reading their keys, and very much pest in the passing game, breaking up passes and being glued to slot receivers and tight ends. The adjustments they made, the way they were able to change coverages, fantastic. And you want that to be brought to Notre Dame. As Marcus Freeman said, hey, it's Al Golden's defense. It's his defense. 
All we ask him is to come in and enhance what's already here. Marcus Freeman said he wants to keep the same terminology. He's going to keep the same terminology. So now things won't get lost in translation and the guys in the spring can hit the ground running and they won't be worried about trying to remember, okay, what's this play called? What does this mean? The terminology is the same. Now let's hit the ground running and let's learn different things and how we can get better. Go into the fall with momentum. We've solved some issues on the back end. Chris O'Leary said when he want, when he told me he wants to walk into the horseshoe with four guys at safety that can play any down at any time at the most important parts of the game. He doesn't want to have to depend on, let me get this guy in the game. And he believes he has four safeties that can play the most important play of the game at any point in time, whether it's in the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, whatever the importance is of that particular play, high level, he believes he has four guys that can walk on the field, compete, and get the job done. Full confidence in that. It was good to hear that from him. Of course, we know, we saw what happened to Clarence Lewis in the Fiesta Bowl. I think Clarence Lewis recovers from that and has a decent season. I'm not saying he's a top three round pick in the NFL. I'm not saying he's going to come in and have seven, eight interceptions, even though that would be great. If that's the recovery, man, if he recovered like that from the Fiesta Bowl and came back with seven interceptions, I'm all for it. But if he can come in and compliment Cam Hart, give time early in the season for the youngsters, the Jaden Mickeys, the Morrisons, to come in and get acclimated because they're dogs. Truly believe that Morrison and Mickey, give them about six games. The competitive nature that they have they're not scared. You can put them in. They can be effective. They can be effective. All we need for C. Lou to do is to be solid. Just be solid. Any good cornerback has to have a short memory. We need him to have that short memory. We need him to be solid. Let's get back to these linebackers, though. Because the linebackers that he walks in with in his 2022 class, and they all came in early, let me tell you something. Al Golden is rubbing his hands together and licking his chops every day. He spoke glowingly about what he's seen physically from the youngsters. These aren't guys that need to come in and add. Of course, you might want them to add maybe 10 pounds of muscle. But these are guys that can come in at their current weight and be effective. Whether it's in the middle, the rover. Their versatility because they play different positions. You have Jalen Sneed that actually plays safety as a senior, as a need. Bigger than everybody on the field, he's playing free safety. Now you slide him into the middle or you slide him over to the right or you put him at the rover in passing situations. Maybe you bring him off the edge in passing situations to compliment Foskey, excuse me, and move Ali Miola to the middle and then put Riley Mills next to him, go to kind of a NASCAR look. There's so many things. Let me tell you something. Al Golden has so much to work with, so much to work with, that he's excited. And that's why I said his task is not as difficult, nowhere near the ta difficult task that Tommy has as a coordinator because, yo, he has the talent. He flat out has the talent to work with. Now it's just about working with his staff, working with the players, and just needing certain guys to step up. Cam Hart, consistent. Cam Hart 
Can he get better? I, you know, I'll be honest. I really don't know how much more Cam Hart can get better. So if I get the Cam Hart that we've gotten already, I'm good with that. If he takes another step forward, and it's hard for him to take that step forward of getting interceptions because he's not targeted a lot. He just has not been targeted a lot by teams. So he doesn't have the opportunities to get interceptions. But if he becomes more efficient in the opportunities that he does get and starts picking the ball off and gives you four to five interceptions, that's definitely a step forward. If you can see him become more confident and maybe follow guys around the field, right? Because he's been the boundary guy the majority of the time. We'll see under Al Golden whether Al Golden believes in following guys, right? Can Cam, can Cam Hart be that guy to just follow, go into the horseshoe and just follow and jig, and jig with Smith the entire game? Just follow him around. Or follow Marvin Harrison Jr. around the entire game. That's something that would be a step forward for Cam Hart or a step up. I don't know if they want to do that. Because that's really that's really not what they've done under the previous three defensive coordinators, Clark Lee, Mike Elko, and uh, Marcus Freeman. None of them really did the follow technique. It was field boundary. This is your spot. Play it. So we'll see. We'll see. Bo Bauer, um, Kaiser, Bertrand. We saw what the issue was. We saw it. We know what the issue was. The issue was linebacker. A lot of people want to point to the defensive backs. Linebacker, I would say, was the main issue on the defense last year. And I pushed back because there are a lot of Notre Dame fans that didn't believe that there was a speed problem at the linebacker position. I won't equate it to speed. Like straight line speed, I won't equate it to that. Playmaking ability and range, sideline to sideline. That is where you will see a considerable difference in ability with the youngsters that come into this 22 class moving forward. You will see the upgrade. And I don't think it will take long. I don't think it will take long. And you have a confident guy like Jalen Sneed <clears throat> showing up and telling the media, like, yo, I'm the fastest guy in the room right now. I'm the fastest player in the room right now. That's what Jalen Sneed said. So, matter of fact, here it is. I think we have a clip. Uh, I don't have a position coach yet, so I don't know. Uh, but the teammates have took me in as one of their own. Uh, they've taught me a lot about family and how the Notre Dame football program is run. Uh, they've just taught me that you just got to put your head down and keep working hard. My goal is definitely to be maybe a player in rotation this year. Uh I plan to get there by just working hard in workouts, uh, trying to be the best I can be, uh, just being explosive and just working hard. Uh, we're definitely like brothers. Uh, we've, we've been talking for like a couple months now uh, on a group chat. Uh, and once we got here, we just all meshed together. And I feel like competing against them is like a great competition because they're all just as good and all work just as hard as me. Hmm. Uh, I think it's great for me because, like, I've never really got to play just linebacker, and I want to know 
how good I can get at just playing linebacker, practicing one position, and just going hard at one position. I think it'll be good for me knowing that I haven't reached my full potential yet. Yo, confidence coming off this kid, Marcus Freeman, and other coaches, their eyes light up when they talk about just what they've seen in training from Jalen Sneed and these young linebackers. Just the body types, the speed, the way they move, how hard they work, the lifting, and that goes down. You look at, heck, you look at Drake Bowen and how he works out. His workouts are all on his social media. He works out constantly, twice on Saturdays, leaves the workouts, takes a two-hour break, goes to work, makes his money, comes home, gets up Sunday, does the exact same thing. And his workouts have changed because now he's locked in on baseball. They just started. I think they go to Louisville and Nashville to start their season, of course, because of the cold up here in Indiana and the Chicago area, Northwest Indiana area. So they're on the road starting their season down in Nashville and Louisville. But he's a workout warrior. Like that mindset is already there. The Matt Bayless prototype is already there for the linebackers that are coming into Notre Dame. Look, I'm telling you. The linebacker, Notre Dame, this is a prediction that I have. Notre Dame in two or three years might become the new LBU. Because of Marcus Freeman and Al Golden, Notre Dame might become the new linebacker you. Heck, you got Samuel and Pemba coming in for a visit on March 19th. You have other linebackers, elite linebackers still in play. Matter of fact, we're going to have a cutting room floor with Malik. He's going to go over the remaining linebackers, and he's going to rank the remaining linebackers that are targets for Notre Dame and which ones he would go after the most or which ones he believes is the highest priority. That's going to be coming up sometime this week. Let me tell you something. The way they are recruiting, the position of linebacker, the position of quarterback, Right, They go get a 2015 kid out of Detroit. He's the number one in his class already. That's a not 15, 2025 kid. They go and get the 2024 Jaden Davis out of the Carolinas. They're going after Dante Moore. They got Vizina on the hook. I think if they wanted him, they called him and said, we want you today, he would commit. That's my firm belief. He's coming in for the practices and the blue and gold game. Let me tell you something. Notre Dame is in great position. Marcus Freeman and this staff, despite coaches leaving for vet, for greener pastures, greater opportunities for themselves, despite the feelings uh, and the disappointment of Mike Elston and how that turned out, despite whatever you heard or whatever you believe about the Tommy Reed situation in Miami and Marcus Freeman, despite all of that, Notre Dame is on the rise. Notre Dame is on the rise. And they're letting, they're putting everybody on notice in the recruiting world that things have changed. This is not your brother's Notre Dame. This is not your sister's Notre Dame. It's a new day with Marcus Freeman and this new staff. Now, can they translate that to the football field? Can they translate that to the football field? And as I said, it's going to come down to changing the U's. We've been O-line U. We've been tight end U. We just need to change that. 
not limiting. I still want to be O-line. You still want to be tight end you. But can I be LBU? Can we become quarterback you? Can we get two first-round quarterbacks that came from Notre Dame? Or do we have to continue to hang our hat on Joe Montana? Let's be real. We're hanging our hat on Joe Montana and Joe Theismann still to this day as far as, as, far as quarterbacks and Notre Dame. Times have to change. You might even say we're running back you. Because we produce running backs. They Running backs come in, whether they're three-star, four-star, they come in, they produce. Because of the offensive line, because of the tight ends. But we have to start to change some of the narratives. Can we become, can Kyle Hamilton be the trend of safety you? We already have Harrison Smith. Now we're stacking with Kyle Hamilton. Can we continue to stack? Can Adon Shuler, Peyton Bowen, can those guys, a Jair Hill, a young kid, Jacob Oden, that I just talked to. I'm writing an article for him on Irish Breakdown for this week. Safety out of Detroit. Can he become that guy from the 2024 class? Can we begin to stack in other positions and now throw that moniker, LBU, safety U, DBU, defensive end U, D-line U, can Jason Adam Neola, Isaiah Foskey, can they start that trend? We'll see. But this is what's on the table. This is what's on the table. Like, you can go grocery shopping. You can get everything on the list, but can you come home and cook the meal? Can you make it tasty? Can you give it flavor? Can you bring that national championship back to South Bend? That's the task that face that faces Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, and Al Golden. The triumvirate that's trying to bring that national championship to Notre Dame. That's the task that faced them. Now, from a scheming standpoint, you go into the horseshoe, what do you do, right? Ultimately, you trust your back end. You're facing probably three really good receivers with Ohio State. C.J. Stroud's really good quarterback. The one thing that you can probably attack is that offensive line. They lose Mumford. They lose their big left tackle. I believe they lost their right tackle as well. So now you're replacing both tackles. Early on, if that defensive line can be dominant at the horseshoe, now that passing game is in trouble because you don't have time to throw. You harass C.J. Stroud. You get him off his spot, get him off his game. And then linebackers, you take Travion Henderson out of the game. Early, take him out of the game. Stop that running game, and then you go after Stroud. That's what you have to do. Are they going to uh, – with that much talent on offense, they're going to make plays. It's going to happen. They're going to make plays. Utah did a great job in the Rose Bowl. The game plan that you want to have, that you would like to have against Ryan Day in an offense, offense like that, that's what you do. You stop Travion Henderson. You drop your linebackers when you get them get them a third and long. Shut them down. Get them off the field. Pound and ground on offense. Be physical. Run a lot of plays. Keep Stroud on the sideline. Get in front. And force them to play faster. And hopefully you get more mistakes from that offense. That's the game plan you want to have. Unfortunately, 
I think Utah was already down three defensive backs going into the Rose Bowl. And once C.J. Stroud got into a rhythm with his wide receivers, and I think they lost another – I know they lost another one of their DBs during the game in the second quarter. So now you're down four DBs against all of that talented wide receiver. Yeah. And because they're behind, they're throwing the ball all the time. That's why you saw the big plays coming. Right? I don't expect that many big plays. Not big plays. Not, no. Not with Brandon Joseph as safety. Ramon Henderson. Like the safety situation, I feel comfortable about that. Going into the horseshoe. I really do. C. Lou, we can give C. Lou some help. We can roll some coverages. We can do some things. We can get our linebackers and our rovers in the passing lanes to help force them to go under. Now, this is the difference. And this is what we saw in the Fiesta Bowl, right? When you do all of that and you get them to do what you scheme them to do or want them to do, you have to make the plays. You got to make the tackles, right? It's third and 11, and you're back in coverage. Your linebackers are back in the lanes. They throw a little six-yard cross. You got to tackle that guy. You can't allow him to break a tackle, get the first down, continue that drive. You got to get off the field. You have to get off the field. This is the task for that Notre Dame defense. You want to see third down efficiency take a step up. You want to see missed tackles take a step down. And then you want to see better coverage from guys like C. Lou, and you want to see growth from the defensive line, and you want them to dominate like they have the ability to do. That's it. That's it. Those are the things you need to see from the offense and the defense, and those are the things that are facing these two offensive coordinators as they go into the spring. Let's get to some of your comments, some of your questions. We appreciate you. Thanks for tapping in every morning, everybody. Thanks for tapping in. I see some comments. Yes, we're going to get to that in a little bit, obviously. You guys, my guy Ashley's talking about the photo. That photo looks mad suspect and clunky. I like your use of the word clunky. Do you see how Tommy is sitting in that photo? He's literally planning on leaving and destroying this program, connecting the dots here. Come on, man. I don't, Demetrius, I don't know if you're trolling or if you really feel that way. Steve Williams, thank you for tapping in today. Love or hate? T.R. Freeman will deal with him if he ain't going to cut it. You already know he has a plan. I'm excited to see the results on the field. I can agree with that. I, I can agree with that. Uh, Demetrius Rex, once again, anyone not want Vazina and think Andy should pass on him and go for more? It's not about, see, this is evaluation, and this is what you have to do. You have to identify your number one guy. And the number one guys, I think I talked about the top four the top four of the top five quarterbacks have not committed, and they're not. The top quarterbacks aren't going to commit. So you have to identify who you really want out of those top four or five guys, and you have to stay in that race to the end. And if another quarterback wants to commit, 
you take the commitment because you've offered him. You've offered the young man. So if he said calls you and says, yo, I want to commit, but you have to think that commit is in a wait and see mode. He's a top five kid. So he's going to wait and see. But Zena is smart. He knows that Dante Moore is that guy for Notre Dame. And he might want to want to commit today. If he's a confident kid, he commits because he feels like I can beat him out anyway. I just want to go to that school. If he wants to go to another school where he doesn't want to have to commit or compete against somebody in his class, then he holds out. He waits. So I think that's what you're going to see with these quarterbacks. They're all going to wait. And we'll see who the first. It'll be very interesting to see the first domino. Which of those top four that remain unsigned or non-committal, which one commits first? That's going to be interesting moving forward. And uh, guinea pig clips. Rashada is a very interesting kid out of California. He really is. Malik likes him a lot. Malik's played against him with his team. Lakewood out there a couple of times, I believe. Very interesting prospect. You're a wild boy, Eugene. I don't have time for you, bro. That's petty. <laughs> I ain't afraid of no goats, man. Long time. No him from. How you been? Haven't had much chance to listen lively lately. LL Nation, but Friday was something special, y'all. Go Irish. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. We're going to continue to spin it different. P-Dub, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that as well. I see y'all chopping it up. Rocco will have his opportunity, Garland. Thank you for tagging in with us today. Rocco will definitely have an opportunity. He'll definitely have his opportunity. Fresh start. Harry Heastan is motivated too. He's motivated. He's refreshed. The staff that he's around is a totally different vibe. So I think we're going to get the best of Harry Heastan. Absolutely. Not just in coaching, but definitely in recruiting as well. I don't know. Do I? I actually feel good. I might sound a little stuffy, but I actually I actually feel good. But thank you for thank you for your thoughts. Charlie White's last belt loop. Thank you. <laughs> I like that drunk Vigo. Stucky's going to need a lot of Ethiopian coffee for those of you that don't know. Uh, the wide receiver coach, Chancey Stucky, loves, loves Ethiopian coffee. And he found a spot. He said he found two spots in South Bend. And actually, his wife, him and his wife, they jogged to the spot uh, each morning. And, uh, and he has a setup in his office. Because he told me once I get here and I leave and I'm in the office, I really don't have time to leave because I'm here pretty much all day and into the evening. So he has his own setup, coffee setup to make his own coffee in the office as well. So he's excited. He said the first time he fell in love, uh, let me, uh, is it Ways? I forget the coffee spot that he told me. I had it in my notes. Kodachrome, 
Kodachrome was one of them. And I forget the other spot, but Kodachrome was one of them. One of the spots he talked about. And I forget the other spot, but I know one spot in particular, when he was here in 2018, he told a story when they came in at 18 to play. I think it was 18. I might have been 19. When they came in 19 to play, he said 18 or 19. He said that his wife, him and his wife, they jogged past the campus to the coffee spot, had coffee, fell in love with the coffee, never thinking that he would end up here as a coach. And it was very comfortable when they came back because that was one of the most memorable things that stayed with them. You know, they shared that memory of jogging through. They loved the town, enjoyed the coffee. And, you know, so when he got the job, they were very comfortable because they already knew they had something that they could do as a couple and enjoy in town. So. I have no clue. I have no clue what Dale Alexander was doing. Stealing money. He was stealing money. He was absolutely stealing money. Right. Dale might have been watching YouTube to teach as well. You never know. Anthony Solomon, I believe if you fail to meet ML's expectations, you will be replaced with someone who can meet them. This was lacking under BK. Yeah, because I think, Brian, ultimately coaches hire guys they're comfortable with and guys they know. And I got this question, too. Someone asked me, James Laurinaitis, he will be helping with the linebackers. He's not the linebackers coach. He'll be helping with the linebackers. Al Golden would directly help and teach the linebackers as well be the defensive coordinator. But James Laurinaitis will help and assist and will be an analyst defensively. That's that's going to be his task for now. I'm sure as, once he gains more experience in coaching, he'll probably get an opportunity there. I see everybody talking about Brian Hartline. Michael Johnson, it could be, could be. It's a chance that Notre Dame could end up having the best coaching staff in college football. Could be. Loop life, 007. At this point, Tommy has to put up or get gone. Hey, I, man, loop life, I agree with you, my brother. I agree with you. But it's not even about the situation. We felt that way before the season. We said, and Malik specifically, like the spotlight is on Tommy. Like Brian Kelly is gone. You don't have that buffer anymore. The spotlight is on you. This is your offense. Harry Heastan was based upon your words. Harry Heastan was your guy. You never stopped talking to him. From the time Harry left to go to the NFL, when he came back, Harry Heastan was your guy. That's who you trust. So now the offensive line shouldn't be an issue. And you had, that's who you wanted. You got him. It's time to rock and roll.
31. I think Golden can be a good continuation for the linebackers. Freeman started simplifying the defense for them, and now Golden says that's really his niche. Yeah, and you can see it. You can see it. If you watch, just watch the Super Bowl and how aggressive and simple he made everything for his linebackers. They were aggressive. It was like formation, key, downhill, disrupt, make the play. And that's what they did. That's what they did. Coach Freeman got a style that attracts people. He is the man to get it done. We shall see. We shall see. We all believe it, but we shall see. Garland Doxie, Indy will win a championship under Freeman. That's the plan. That's the plan. We all believe that. Ashley, I, man, my only pushback, our D isn't a problem. They've been carrying the team. We need the O to take a, take a step, any step. <laughs> I push back. They both need to take step, steps forward simultaneously. The defense can be better. The defense can be better. I think the defense will be better. I'll put it like this. If the offense takes the steps forward that I believe they can, it will be a domino effect on the defense because that's an extra series they won't have to play. That might be five to ten plays that they're not on the field. And they're stronger at the end of the season. They're stronger at the end of games. Look, he could if he's that good. And a lot of people seem to believe that he is that good. He's a, he's a freak athlete. You might be right. You might be right. He could start. He could start. Coleman Clark, thanks for tapping in. Reeves can bounce for all I care. Freeman will upgrade there. <laughs> oh, man. You're absolutely right. I see what you're saying, Drunk, drunk Vigo. Tommy Reese, Tyler Buckner is pointing. Dude, that is everything. You want to prove how good you are? You don't need a quarterback coach. You can call the plays. You can do everything. Tyler Buckner is your baby. Let's see what he does. We need to see improvement. Luis Rescalvo, thank you for tapping in. I know for a fact MF will be the one African-American coach to win a national championship in Notre Dame. On God, my boy, take that to the bank. Yes, sir. Yeah, Maris is coming back. Yeah, I hope we make a statement in the horseshoe. I told you guys, man, look, if you're there, I'm going to be talking that ish. I, I just am. We'll be there. I think we're going into Dayton, uh, spending time with Malik's family. I'm in Ohio, and I'm, I'm bringing it. I'm talking. From the time I get there, like, what's up? We are here. And it wasn't, we're not just here to be your opponent. This isn't, you know, 
the directional school, you guys usually play game one. No, no. We know the game. Let's get it. Let's get it. Johnny S., thank you for tapping in. Linebacker length was also an issue. I guess you could say that. I guess you could say that because most of the guys are short, shorter, stockier guys. And honestly, Drew Wright, Drew White exceeded. If you really go back and look at where he came from on the depth chart and what he was able to do at Notre Dame, Drew White exceeded expectations. And ultimately, he fought through injuries his senior year. So I give him a lot of credit. This is not what we're talking about. It's not to throw shade at what him, Bertrand, Bauer, and Kaiser were able to do last year. Because they had some really good games. And we talked about how sometimes the defensive line kind of left them hanging a little bit. But with all of that being said, you know, the linebacker position has to be better. But I definitely uh, tip my cap to what Drew White did in his time in Notre Dame. Because I think he exceeded expectations, in my opinion. Yeah, we definitely, Johnny, we definitely addressed the linebacker length and the type immediately. I think that's one of the first things that Marcus Freeman, when he when he watched film and he observed when he got here as a defensive coordinator, that's the first thing he identified. And if you remember, the offer, the first two offers he made, one because of relationship. The first offer he made because of a relationship that he knew of, the kid he knew of already was Jalen Sneed. Jalen Sneed wasn't even on the radar for Notre Dame. The second offer he made was Josh Burnham. Josh Burnham was headed to Michigan. He was headed to Michigan. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm going to double check. I don't know if Ziegler was a guy that he identified as well, but I know those two guys were guys that immediately Marcus Freeman was like, no, 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 we have to get those guys. We have to recruit those guys here to Notre Dame. <laughs> Coleman Clark, sorry, not, not sorry. You guys are going to lose linebacker. You title if you haven't already lost it. I don't know. Um, uh, Parsons kind of kept it going in the NFL. <laughs> Micka Parsons has kind of kept it going in the NFL, so they might hold on to it for a little bit longer. Yeah, all Jaden Osbury, definitely, and in Pimba. If you can get those two guys, I can't wait to see how no, uh, Malik ranks these guys because I already know. Because in Pimba, there are a lot of people saying that Samuel and Pimba because of how big he is, and he's played a lot of different positions at IMG, he might end up as a defensive end, as a speed rusher, a speed rusher off the edge. So that could be very interesting as well. Samuel Pemba, man, he talks so much. And this is what I love, man. These recruits, and this is what you have to love. Offensively, defensively, when you talk to these recruits, I just give a, a, a snippet into the article that I'm going to be writing about Jacob Oden, 2024 safety. Really, defensive back safety, Mr. Do-It-All out of Detroit. 
the kid is like, man, Marcus Freeman is my dude. That's my dude. Samuel and Pimba, him, Marcus Freeman, that's my dude. Dante Moore, like, man, I talk to Marcus Freeman every day. Look, he has changed. Not only is he going after elite top talent, he is the arrow. He is the point of the arrow. He's not leaving it up to everybody else. His name is going to ring coming out of the recruit's mouth. For a long time, it was either Mike Elston or Clark Lee or one of the assistants. Their names were ringing. Now, when it comes to Notre Dame and recruiting, you all you hear from the top recruits, Marcus Freeman, that's my guy. I love that dude. Marcus Freeman, that's my guy. That's all you hear. And it's refreshing to hear your head coach's name ringing like that with recruits in the class of 23, 24, and already in the class of 25. It's refreshing because we haven't heard that. That hasn't been the case here at Notre Dame. It just hasn't. Um, but Lord, thanks for tapping in. Botello, Jordan Botello is my sleeper pick to take that next step. I hope so. I just hope he can stay healthy. Guys like him and Maris, I just want them to have a healthy season. Like That's the first step, just a healthy season. Some of the same things that Kevin Austin had to go through. Like, forget his numbers. I'm glad he went on to the NFL. Can he just have a healthy season? A lot of people forget we still have Prince Collie. You're right, J-Man. Prince Collie definitely will be in the mix. Uh, Kuba Puig, is it true we could get more, but Bazina will commit instead? That's up to the that's up to the kid. That's up to Bazina. That's up to him. If he wants to compete, it could happen. And Notre Dame would more than man would gladly take both of them. Gladly take both of them. But the main guy is definitely the main guy is definitely Dante Moore. The staff is all in on Dante Moore. Leo Glante, our running backs don't do jack in the league. Well, I know when I was talking about the running backs, I was talking about production in college. Kyron, I think Kyron is like kind of like the fourth or fifth. Kyron will probably go second day, third round. I think Kyron in the right system. I think Deuce had a chance to be a really good running back, but Deuce went to the Packers. Hey, they don't run the ball. They got Aaron Rodgers. So it's all about where you go. You know, look, how many top first-round running backs exist in the NFL right now? Your top running, your top running backs in the NFL are spread out. You know, second-round pick, fourth-round pick. The game is different in the NFL. But I hear you. I hear you. Daniel 98, I just hate that the offense and OC are talking another language, still afraid of touching the ball. Yeah, I mean, Daniel, I, I understand where you're coming from. I understand where you're coming from. I just need to see how Tommy 
how he leads. Just plain and simple. I need to see how Tommy is going to lead, especially coming out of all of this mess over the last couple of weeks, how he takes a step forward, sets the tone and spring ball, right? We know what he's up against with the lack of receivers in the room or the lack of receivers able to practice for the time with the quarterbacks. He has to develop both quarterbacks, deal with that competition, and then depend on the offensive line. So it's a lot. But it's his time to lead, and we'll see. Ashley, I'll push back. The D has to step up. You can't give up 131 yards rushing. You can't. That's not that's unacceptable. 113 the year before, 131. You can't do that. You're not winning a national championship, giving up 131 yards rushing per game. The D has to step up. They have to step up. That's unacceptable. Can't have that. Now, will the linebackers getting better? Improve that? Could be. But your best players are on that front four. They have to be the ones to lead the charge. They have to. They have to get better. You can't, you cannot give up 130 yards rushing per game and think you're gonna win. David Knight, my dude, how you doing? Sunset Kid, uh, producer, no, this is Polo, bro. Don't ever disrespect me like that. Don't want to, if you see AP, it's more than likely Polo. More than likely. I would never, ever wear anything Purdue. Come on, my man. Not this dude. Andres Miedo, thank you. How you doing, my bro? Hope you had a good weekend. You think Al Golden is going to have his defense bringing the boom? I definitely think there's going to be a more ferocious attitude. I mean, the defense is already, you know, with each coach is a different swag, right? Elko was different than Lee. Marcus was different than, you know, than Lee. Al Golden will bring his, his vibe, his flow. But Marcus is there. So now it'll be a combination Defense will be fine, but they need to get better. They need to get better. Did I miss something from Nuke about Ramon Henderson? I might have gone past it. I'm sorry if I did. Oh, there it is. Who's lining up as safety next to Brandon Joseph next season? I know people might not like to hear this, but right now, just from a leadership standpoint and spring ball, and this is me just like, if I had to bet, if I had to bet, Brandon Joseph and Houston Griffith will be your two safeties because, because of the versatility of Brandon Joseph, right? Brandon Joseph can play strong, free. He can be a slot. He can cover your slot. He showed you against Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. He can do it all. Houston Griffith, 
for continuity, leadership, he'll be the starter early on. And from everyone I've talked to, he's he's the leader. Like, he's on track to be a captain. He's on track to be a captain. Now, you can say what you want to say about how he's played up to this point at Notre Dame, whether you feel like he's been underwhelming. I'm not here to debate that. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing and what I know. Those will be your two going into the blue and gold game. Will that be the two going into the horseshoe? I don't know. As I said before, Chris O'Leary said he's coaching that position to have four starters that can play first snap, last snap, most important snap in the middle of the game. Doesn't matter. He, he said we're going to be the number one group in the country and we're going to have four guys that can play and start at any time. That's from the coach. So that's his expectation for the group back there. Acho. Man, the camp, did I see a dunk? They don't have a Dunkin' Donuts? I know they have multiple Starbucks. They don't have a Dunkin' Donuts in South Bend? Oh, David Knight. Thank you for the, man, I'm going to have to try that. The Ethiopian red tea is the best tea. Okay. I'm going to have to try that. I'm definitely. No. No. Um, Jay Daniels, the recent transfer quarterback from Arizona State. I don't think Notre Dame will have any interest in Jay Daniels, in my opinion. From just up to now, we can hear news come out that they made a call. Yes, Juan Dale was a straight bandit. That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, when I saw that, I immediately started communicating with Carnell that night after I saw the picture, and he said no. Nothing negative was said. Man, he was just talking to him, proud of him, and just happened to be at the camp. Had, happened to be at the 7-on-7. Seven seven. Not camp, but the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. And that was straight from Carnell Tate. He said nothing negative was said. You know I asked. You know I asked. He said everything was all good. Hmm. You think Henderson will be able to hold up when they go four or five kings wide and send bombs downfield like okay steve did never vote well now you're talking about this is why brandon joseph is so huge man this is why brandon like what do we say right everybody said if kyle hamilton was in that game oklahoma state they're not getting all of those plays right and i'm not by no means am i comparing Brandon Joseph to Cal Hamilton, but he's a dude. He's not a top five NFL draft pick, but he's a back end first round, second round. Like he's a day one talent. He could go in the first round. He's that good. Like you didn't just get a scrub to transfer to Notre Dame 
This kid is good. He's really good. So when you have a guy like that in your secondary and they decide to go five wide, it changes everything. It changes everything. And then now, as I said before, you can go four or five wide, but you're replacing two tackles. First game of the year, you're replacing your left and your right tackle. If she's if CJ Stroud is only getting three seconds, I don't care how wide you go. It's going to be a problem. So we'll see. We're going to see the chess match and how it goes. Ryan Day versus Al Golden, Marcus Freeman. It's going to be very interesting. Very interesting. Because at some point, they're going to look at that film and Ohio State is going to say, let's go. Let's spread them out and go up-tempo and make them prove that they're not the same team. I agree with you, Lou Blythe. And we'll see how they, they'll see. We'll see what Notre Dame does. Uh, Dylan help is Tommy the reason for the lackluster passing game just seems like route concepts are super basic and players aren't used in a dynamic way i.e miles bulk miles Boykin break Lindsay only running verticals well look when you have a wide receiver room that is limited fundamentally and they can't get open especially against bumping running man to man uh, that's tough. I can't lay that at Tommy's feet. And hopefully, with an improved offensive line. Now, I will say this, and Malik has pointed to this. Tommy coaches, loves to coach guys like him, quarterbacks like him. And he loves to go to the plays that he loved as a quarterback. So I can see what you're saying, Dylan. He might be caught in certain concepts and might not be open to more aggressive or more modern concepts. We'll see. I mean, those are the things with him being in the spotlight. We'll get the opportunity to see who Tommy Reese really is as an offensive coordinator. But I definitely see how you can see that with Tommy Reese. I'm with you, guinea pig. I need 40. <laughs> I need 40. And I need, it, I need it early. I need to jump on them early. Michael Graves, what's up, my dude? Thank you for that sticker. We appreciate you. Okay. Thank you for that, Captain Dipstick. Ziegler was all, always headed. So it was Burnham. Burnham and uh, Sneed were the two guys. Jay Clamp and Investments, you come to Dayton before the OSU game, do a lucky lefty meetup. You know what? I'm going to have to talk to Malik. I mean, those are his neck of the woods. He knows the spots. I'm all for it. I refuse to go to that OSU games. Their fans are trash. That's what's up, Jay Clampett, man. We appreciate you. I agree with you, Michael Johnson and Pimper. Just get him on the field. That dude is a specimen. 
He is definitely Bob. Come on, man. You guys know me better than that. You know me better than that. Captain Dipstick. Kelly never truly understood Notre Dame. Freeman got it and fell in love his first month. You know what? I don't know. For Brian Kelly to act as he did, I think he understood Notre Dame. And let's be real. No, look, Notre Dame, in my opinion, and I think most of you all will agree, that Notre Dame is probably the most, the best product to have when you're out on the recruiting trail. It is. Like, no one else can walk into a kid's living room, look their parents in the eye and say, I have the best combination of football and academics in America. No one else has that package. No one. No one can say, you're on TV, we have our own network, we're independent, we have our own grind, we have our own hustle, academics, alumni, connections, endowments, and a top five program. No one else can say that. No one else can say that. I think Brian Kelly understood that, but I don't think Brian Kelly was willing to put in the work to get over some of the hurdles because there are hurdles that any staff, any coach at Notre Dame is going to face that other programs don't have to face. In order to get over those, you have to work twice as hard as everybody else. Brian Kelly wasn't willing to do that. He wanted to treat everything like he was at an SEC school. And unfortunately, you can't win in Notre Dame like that. Lou Holtz didn't come in, sitting back on his laurels. Lou Holtz came in and went to work. Lou Holtz went into Miami, getting the best players. When Florida State, Florida, and Miami were hot. Not when they were bad, when they were hot. He went to Pennsylvania when Penn State was good and got the best players. He got Rocky. He got Ricky Waters. And Pittsburgh, by the way. That's the type of guy. That's the type of head coach you have to be. So to see and to hear Marcus Freeman say, I talk to Lou Holtz constantly. Because he recognizes I have to have the same mentality Lou Holtz had when he came in here. To pretty much walk up to the bullies or walk in the room with the big guys and sit down at their table and say, I'm here. What's up? Deal me in. And that's what Marcus Freeman has been doing. And this staff, they sat, they sat down at the big table. They looked Kirby Smart in the eye. They looked Nick Saban in the eye. And they said, I'm here. Deal me in. Dillard, give me my chips. What's up? Let's go. And he's willing to take them on. That's it. That's all you can ask for as a fan base. All you can ask for is a head coach that believes in the product, believes in the young men, and is willing to sit at the table, look the top guys in the eye, and say, I'm going after the same guys you're going after. Let's go. Let the chips fall where they may. No pun intended. Yeah, we are cool again, which is actually which is actually dope. Hey, 
Ashley Hill, thank you for the super chat. Sean said, keep it a buck. Marcus looked at our linebackers, then went and recruited the number one linebacker. Dude, dude, hey, it was obvious. He recognized immediately, like, yo, we have to change this linebacker room. We, we have to. We have to. PK4, ND. He's spending a different Sean. So happy to see you hold your ground on IB when the host needs to be right. Kept him from connecting the dots. Look, I stood on everything I said. Even though I was on IB, I stood on everything I said on Lucky Lefty. And yeah, it is what it is. But it was a great podcast because it was a very respectful conversation. And you know, respecting hearing certain facts being brought to the forefront. Because on here, we talk about what has been reported. And we break it down from there. Yeah, and Pimba played tight end last year. So. Kendall James, I appreciate that. That's real. Uh, I've been around for a lot of off seasons where indie players talk like Tarzan, Tarzan and then went out and played like Jane. Jane was kind of dope, though, wasn't she? So the deep players yapping now doesn't excite me. Listening to Golden and Mason did. Well, I agree with that. I love Golden. I love Mason. My pushback is not so much that players are yapping. Which players are yapping? See, I don't have a problem with Isaiah Foskey yapping. He's a dude. It's like when your dude is yapping and setting the tone, I'm with that. Yeah, because you've done it on the field. He's that dude. He's done it on the field. So I don't have a problem with him yapping. Hey, thank you guys. Thank you guys for making us who we are and supporting LL Nation and the Lucky Lefty Podcast. It's because of you. We appreciate you guys. Man, hit the like button. Even if you don't like it, just, man, we thank you for tapping in and giving us an opportunity to entertain you. Oh, heck yeah. Orange glove guy. Yeah, plenty of time. Plenty of time. You know why? You go back and you watch. He spoke about this. The problem for him, for him was fundamental. And this is one key. He's been in South Bend the past two years. And his wife kind of bust him out when he talked about this. He said his wife told him, you've been coaching. You never stopped coaching. He was taking notes, watching Notre Dame games. He was sitting there with a notepad, watching the offensive line play, taking notes. So he's not coming into this situation blindly. He knows the deficiencies. He'll be able to see it up front, but he knows the deficiencies of all of those young guys and what needs to be improved, what needs to change because he's been watching them and taking notes. Now he gets to watch them every day. He speaks glowingly. The glue to all of this is Matt Bayless. Man, what Matt Bayless teaches those young men goes directly into the fundamentals that Harry Heastan teaches that has made guys great and taking them to great heights in the NFL and has made Notre Dame old, old Lyman you. So he spoke glowingly about Matt Bayless and saying he's teaching them the fundamentals of base and lifting. That's what you need 
because that's the first thing we have to establish with these guys and we can build from there. So they're already deconstructing bad habits in training and lifting. And once they go into practice to start March 17th, watch Harry Heastan do his thing. He definitely has enough time. And if you watch the Fiesta Bowl, the one problem you don't have, you don't have to worry about your tackles in pass pro. You have two tackles. You know how you know how many programs would love to have the two tackles that Southmore is coming back, that Notre Dame has coming back? Yo, I'm telling you, that's a comfort level for the quarterbacks. That's what makes it so incredible. It makes Drew Pine and it makes Tyler Buckner incredibly comfortable knowing they have those two on the outside. And then you have a big-time first-round talent at center as your leader that you're getting the ball from every play. Yeah, the offensive line is going to be much better, much better. But they have to step on the field and show it. Y'all crazy. What are you saying? <laughs> he pulled the Beyonce on Tommy. Oh, man. We don't know, Andre. Thank you for tapping in. We don't know. We don't know how good Tommy Reese is without handcuffs. We don't know. John Jones, like I said before, I don't know. I don't know. Kali, Jalen, definitely will have an opportunity. I do think Bo Bauer who has always been involved in the passing downs. I think somehow, some way, he'll continue to be involved in passing downs because he's really good in coverage. PK, I look. Tom Lloyd said he did. Brian Driscoll said he did. That's it. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. We appreciate you guys. Hit that like button. Hit the like button. Man, it was a fun show. You know what time it is. Petticoat. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Now, are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Right, Petty Junction each and every day, right here. Lucky Lefty Podcast brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, anorawhiskey.com. So let's get petty. Yo, shout out to Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett. It was the diamond, diamond anniversary of the NBA. Top 75 players were introduced at the All-Star Game halftime in Cleveland. Man, look, I understand you guys were mad that he left Boston to go to Miami and join LeBron James. 
Y'all still not talking to this dude, man? This dude gets introduced as part of the top 75. You can't shake the man's hand. You can't give him a head nod. KG scowling, looking up into the sky like, what are we doing? He, man, some grown-ups that needed – there's some people, some adults that needed to grow up this weekend. And we're going to start with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce, man. Grow up. Let it go. Are you kidding me? And people, let's go to the obvious, right? I'm sorry. I don't care what side you fall on. Juwan Howard, Petty Train. Red Guard, Petty Train. Cravencroft, the assistant, Petty Train. People calling for Juwan Howard to be fired, Petty Train. Everybody, relax. Relax. If you're from Chicago, let me tell you what Juwan Howard tried to do. He tried to muff him. That's what we call it. And actually, the fact that he tried to muff him is more disrespectful. Like if somebody punches you in Chicago, you know it's a fight, right? They just trying to get first, they trying to get first lick in. Let's go. If somebody muffs you in Chicago, see a muff, and when you grab somebody's head like this, open hand, that's a muff. It's almost like, man, get your stupid self. Like, you're not even worth my time. Get your goofy tail out of here. And that's what, dude, that was a Chicago muff that was attempted by Juwan Howard. Purposeful. He knew who that assistant was, and he was like, dude, get your goofy tail out of here. But this is what I don't like from a society standpoint. And let me go full picture on this. And this is where I am. Like, we don't have to talk about right, wrong. Damn, dude. I'm a grown man. You all are adults. Everybody in here knows what Jawan Howard did was wrong. He should have been more of an adult. He has young men that he's entrusted with watching him handle situations. He didn't do a good job showing them how to handle a situation like that. Yes, he failed as a coach. He failed as an adult and as an ambassador and representative for the University of Michigan. We got that. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something I told my daughter. I tell my nephews. You see, I grew up on the South Side. My brothers grew up on the South Side. My wife grew up on the South Side. My kids did not. My nephews did not. They're suburban kids. Y'all, and I tell them all the time, y'all not about that life. You're not about that life. So keep, keep your finger, your hands out of somebody's face. Don't walk up in somebody's face. If you walk up in somebody's face, be ready to scrap. You put your finger in somebody's face, be ready to scrap. You put your hands on somebody, be ready for firepower coming back. You had do, because you're letting it be known. Yo, so Greg Garb, dude, keep your hands to yourself. Keep your hands to yourself. I don't care about pressing. I don't care about the timeout. Look, I'm an Illinois basketball fan. They're done. They're doing well. They're tied for first place. They've had plenty of games where they've blown teams out. Brad Underwood, I've seen Brad Underwood take the air out of the ball with a minute left in the game. He's taken multiple shot clock violations just out of respect. So, of course, I think it's a way certain things to be handled, but that's really not the issue. Can I break down what really happened? Because a lot of people are missing this. 
And I just want to point it out because it needs to be pointed out. Juwan Howard, Greg Garb, they have a difference of opinion. Juwan wants to walk by him, play him. Matter of fact, he let his players go first, which is unusual because usually his coach is first, players behind. He let his players go first, calmed himself down a little bit, chose to do the walk by. Garb grabs him. He says, yo, don't touch me. Pulls his mask down, continues to go. Garb is separated. Police grabs Garb. Madison police, they grab Greg Garb, pull him away. Meanwhile, he's still looking at and talking to Juwan. Juwan is talking to him. All of a sudden, Juwan hears Terrence Mitchell, 18-year-old freshman, number five for the Michigan Wolverines, who had initially stopped Juwan Howard. And if you watch the video, he kept saying, we're good, we're good, we're good. He said it four times. He had Juwan Howard. He was like, we're good, we're good, we're good. Coaches are separated. Here comes the assistant, Mr. Crackrock. It just here he comes. The first mistake he does is he puts himself into the fray. The second thing he does is he forearms Mitchell, a player. I hope the Big Ten sees this. He forearms Mitchell to move him back. You see Mitchell immediately, eyes get big, and he says something to him. Jawan is still talking to Garb, not even paying attention. He doesn't see this. He hears Mitchell, whatever he says to the assistant, and immediately turns and sees his player going back and forth with an assistant. So now his mind, yo, he's cool with this situation. He's cooling down. He hears his player saying something. He reacts to his player saying something, and then he goes over the top. And my challenge to all these pulpit preachers out here that we have that are holier than thou, like if you heard your child or somebody you're entrusted with saying something, that made you feel like, yo, you needed to protect them. He went and protected. Did he go over the line? Yes. But his reaction to the assistant had nothing to do with Greg Gar or nothing he was saying. He was in the the assistant was talking, and Jawan was still looking at Greg Gar, not hearing anything. What Jawan Howard reacted to is when he heard his player beginning to respond to being pushed by the assistant from Wisconsin. That's what sent Juwan into that rage. Had nothing, he was done with guard. His response to that assistant is what was going on with that assistant and Terrence Mitchell. So, doesn't change anything. I just want to point out why he went at the assistant. Let's just not leave a blank canvas like he just jumped the assistant or just threw a... No, 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 no. That was a reason. He saw his player in his mind, being attacked by an assistant coach. And in his mind, that's over the line. And he went and protected his player. Now, this is the crazy thing. I've actually talked to a couple of recruits locally in the Chicago area and got their opinions. They loved what Jawan Howard did. Top recruits, both of these kids are top 100. Reached out to both. 
They absolutely love what Jawan Howard did. So I, I'm just sharing that with you. It, it, it's a crazy situation. Everybody deserves to be on the petty train. Everybody deserves to be on the petty train. Now, we have to go all the way down south. I don't have a name. I just want you guys to watch this because this is one of the pettiest things I've ever seen in my life. Put this young lady on the petty train. How she got in there? They get that ranch. Did she climb through the window? She didn't climb through the window. Did she climb through the window? She climbed through the window. Yo, I've never seen anything like that, man. <laughs> Upset about her order. She didn't get her extra ranch in the bag. She climbs through the drive-thru window, threatens the workers, tells them she's going to throw grease on them if she doesn't get her extra ranch. Gets the extra ranch and then climbs back out the window and twerks in the process. Throw her on the petty train. Absolutely ridiculous. Throw her on the petty train. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And last but not least, Allen Iverson. Bro, you could have kept that to yourself. I got to throw you on the petty train. I don't know if you guys missed this. It was all over social media on Friday. Down in Cleveland, for all-star game, Allen Iverson in an interview, let it be known that if he had not gotten into trouble, he was close to committing to Notre Dame. Pointing out once again that Lou Holtz was a beast. Because if he was going to get Allen Iverson into Notre Dame, yo, Marcus Freeman, keep talking to him. Get all the tricks of the trades you can get to get everybody admitted into Notre Dame. Allen Iverson admitted to Bleacher Report that he was about to commit to Notre Dame and to be paired up with Randy Moss. Are you kidding me? That's super petty, man. Don't play with me like that. You didn't have to do that. You could have kept that, taking that to the grave, AI. Take that to the grave. Don't do that to me. That's super petty. That's one of the biggest teasers in the world, man. And I love AI. Lucky Lucky Nation. I'm telling you, LL Nation. I love AI. But AI, you mad petty for that, man. That's the type of stuff you take to the grave, man. You know, don't do that to me, man. What? You were close to committing to Notre Dame to be paired with Randy Moss? It's bad enough we have to deal with the fact that Randy Moss got in trouble, and that's the only reason he didn't end up in Notre Dame. That's the only reason we didn't win that national championship in 1993. Only reason. But you mean to tell me we had to miss out on Allen Iverson running the option? At Notre Dame under Lou Holtz and possibly playing basketball? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me, AI? Come on, bro. Keep that to yourself, man. I didn't need to hear that. I did not need to hear that. That's mad petty. I gotta, I love you, but I gotta put you on the petty train. I have to put you 
on the petty train. Mm, mm, mm. AI number three at Notre Dame. Number three, man, number three and number 88 jerseys will still be getting sold out. Think about that. Think about how many 88, well, he wasn't 88, or eight, not 88, 84, but Moss was, was he 81 in college or 18? I think initially he was 18 and then he switched to 81, right? So that means 81 jerseys. Whew. You imagine him rocking the 81, the Tim Brown, and making it even hotter with AI throwing him the ball? Man. Mm, mm, mm. Lucky Lefty Nation, man. Thank you. Uh, I'll check in with my guy, see if he wants to rock tonight and do another episode, do an episode of Oh and Another Thing. We might get it done. Yeah, Moss was 88. He was 88. He was 84. Let's see, he was 84 with the Vikings. 88 in Marshall, 84 with the Vikings. I think he wore 81. No, he wore 18 with the Raiders. And then when he went to New England, he was 81, if I'm not mistaken. That dude wore a lot of numbers. Woo! Oh, man. Will <laughs> just said he got me like Bobby Caldwell. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Lou Holes knew how to recruit. Man, MF needs to get all the secrets of the trade. Jeff Flute responded, if I worked there, I wouldn't care. I would have thrown bombs on her. Man, look, I would have gave all the rent she wanted. I would have opened up about 10 packets and just, wow, wow, man. They were really nice to her. Really nice. She's mad petty. Yeah, 84 Vikes, 18 Raiders, 81 New England. Yep. Yep. He had a bunch of numbers. So, Hit the like button. Hit the like button. Check out our Friday show. If you missed it, check out our Thursday show. Everything surrounding the Tommy Reese situation. Check out those last two episodes. Don't forget, Apple Podcasts, A2S Network. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Lucky Lefty Podcast. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lucky Lefty Pod. You can follow my boy. Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik on Instagram and at Malik Zaire on Twitter. I'm Sean Davis at SD2Mikes featuring Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It's that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Let's see. Will Chestnut, hey, Sean, keep up the work, bro. We see you staying busy and appreciate it, no doubt. I'm about to go write this article right now for Jacob Oden. Man, watch his film. Kid is a beast, class of 2024, safety, cornerback, wide receiver out of Detroit. He's amazing. So, for Malik Zaire, I'm Sean Davis. As always, spend it different today. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll give you guys a notification if we rock out this evening.